MCM Studios. Welcome to the third episode of Happily Everything Disney. I'm your host, Matt, the creator of the Disney Comeback Index, and here with me are Christina and Mike. Hello. Hey. In this episode, we're going to talk all about the Disney Comeback Index. This is where you might know me from. This is the episode where we're really going to uncover the backstory and everything that went into the DCI. I really want the listeners to understand how literally everything is taken under consideration and how the community drives the value every single day. All right. So tell me, Matt, how did you get into all this? Where did the Disney Comeback Index come from? It really started at the Diz boards with a thread I created called the Before and After Game. The way it worked is we nominated one missing pandemic loss, like the Epcot monorail or the AP sales that was suspended for the longest time. And I'd post a date in the future, trying to basically divide the fan base where they would take before or after. Um, the community would vote. We would basically summarize the results at the end of the week, um, and there would be some discussion about it. So after we got through a, a significant batch of topics, the game was eventually moved to our current Discord home, where Jason and Phil asked me to resume the game on a separate channel. And then something started to eat at me, guys. Um, it was around March 2021, and I was thinking, what type of Disney World experience is actually present now? You know, if I went right now, would I feel like I'm getting my money's worth without the entertainment and the fireworks and the shuttered resorts and the missing table service restaurants, not having a dining plan? What, what, what would be the percentage you know, how could you put a value on the current experience? So I started rattling my brain on how I could create some type of experience index. So I needed to start with everything that existed in March, 2020, right? Cause that's where our baseline is. That's, that's our history, right? That's, that's pre pandemic Walt Disney world. So fortunately, I was able to pull a list of individual line items from DisneyWorld.com. You know, they made it pretty easy. They had the attractions and entertainment and the restaurants, the quick service places. It took a little bit of massaging, but I got all the data that I needed, at least to start out. So I began developing a line item list, which contained all experiences. And in my line item list, besides the description, I had the location and I also had a column called it's back. And, you know, just think of a baseball analogy. If a batter has 10 at bats and gets three hits, he's hitting 300 or he got hits 30% of the time, right? Pretty simple example. Well, it's the same thing. Now that we have a total number of line items, we can do the same thing as we mark items back. However, if you start to unpeel it a little bit, you know that a single or a double is certainly not worth a home run, right? Yeah, they're all hits, but a home run definitely carries more value. So each line item would have to differ in worth for the Disney Comeback Index. So, Matt, let me ask you. You eventually came to using categories and, and subcategories. Talk, talk to me about that. With over a thousand line items to start, it was time to start grouping these experiences that, that had a common association together. The first step was to break them into six main categories. They included attractions, entertainment, 
dining, resorts, paid events, seasonal, and then Disney Springs. And the next step was to assign worth to each main category. So you have to treat those six categories almost like a pie chart, right? Where the total pie chart equals 100%. They all are going to get a piece of the pie. So I created an interactive poll on our Discord server and let the members vote on what they prioritized. And the values they eventually settled on were attractions were 30%. Entertainment was 25%. Dining was 17%. Resorts were 12%. Paid events were 9%. And in Disney Springs at 7%. So that's our pie chart, right? And remember, we talked about grouping these common experiences together. Let's get back to that for a moment. So each line item has a subcategory defined. Some subcategories can be treated almost as tiers. Let's go through some examples. So the, uh, the nighttime spectaculars, right, is part of the entertainment category, but there were line items for all of them. So Happily Ever After got the NS1 subcategory. Phantasmic received an NS2. Star Wars, A Galactic Spectacular, Rivers of Light, and Epcot Forever got an NS3. You have to remember that Epcot Forever was deemed a temporary show or would have earned the same type of weight that Fantasmic would have got. Let's look at attractions as another example. So I broke attractions into seven categories where the top subcategory was A1 or the, the highest tier, and that contained only two attractions, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance and Avatar Flight of Passage. A2 contained the Magic Kingdom Mountains, and kind of those hard to get on the 60-day fast passes, you know, the slinky dogs. So then A3 contained attractions like Living with the Land, Sea with Nemo's. A4s contained Hall of Presidents and Carousel of Progress. And we'll kind of stop there. And let's touch on dining real quick. This is where research was needed to tier the table service locations to break them into separate tiers. It would also help with the quick service and lounge locations, right? So I kind of had to do research and I had to really engage the community. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. So basically all the categories and the subcategories are set up like this. So this is my framework and this is what I have to set up. And, you know, real quick, I kind of want to, I feel like if DCI had closing credits, I would be naming a bunch of names that kind of helped me get here. And I want, to, I want to plug a few names. And I, I know there's just screen names on our Discord server for some of them. And I'm, I don't apologize about that because I don't have their real names. But let me just talk about a couple names here, right? So obviously, Jason and Phil for giving me a spot to talk about the Disney Comeback Index and promoting it. Um, as well as, you know, Jason really helped me a lot getting this podcast underway and gave me the tips. And Phil's been great giving me um, constructive criticism along the way and trying to help me. So I really appreciate those guys. I consider them, you know, friends and uh, and mentors to me here. So much appreciation to them. Just kind of getting a little bit more granular. So the resorts and amenities and pools, right, for the Disney Comeback Index. Adam really helped out. And Adam's been on the DBC Pod show before. He does a, a, um, a special thread called Attractionality which is really cool. And when you guys join our Discord server, you'll have a chance to check that out. He does an awesome job with that. And then for the restaurants, there's a few people I want to throw out there. Skeeter 31, TL Madden 73, Lounges, Ryan Teets really gave me some great information. And then attractions, 
off the top of my head, Lumpy, Foe really helped out, and then some other community members that have always provided great feedback for the DCI has been Miss Gina Five, KK Book Mom, Yulin, Andy Man, Twin Mom, Mickey Waffles, Heart of Maniac, Dashy, RPB, Here for the Chiros, Amy11401, and Felis, and also Crandor. And if I missed any names, guys, feel free to yell at me on Discord. I was thinking of you, and I didn't mean to, but I did want to spread some love. The community had to help me impact the weights, right? So now that subcategories were assigned to every line item, and we're talking around a thousand line items at this time, I was able to have lookups that would determine both the number of counts, right, on how many times an A2 would show up, right? And then I started to assign weights. Weights is what gives each subcategory its value. So as you imagine, when, when it's specifically talking about tiers, the higher the tier, the more weight that will count for the attraction. And now I have the main components to drive the Disney Comeback Index. On a very simplistic take, let's just go through it real quick. Using the line items, we know the maximum number of line items that exist. We find the attractions that are back. We multiply it by subcategory weight. We determine the category, its back percentage, right? So we determine what's actually back in that category. Then we curve the category value based on that pie chart. And then with that math, we can figure out the current Disney comeback index number. So I know there's a lot in there, but that's kind of, in Cliff Notes, how it works. Well, Matt, talk to me about this 20,000 points budget rule that you have. So each category has a budget of approximately 20,000 points assigned to it. That budget is for me. It helps It helps keeps me straight. And, and this is why, right? Let's just go through two examples. Let's say we uncover a new line item that was missing from the DCI. When I add that line item, it will push the budget over 20,000. I then need to make a tweak to the weights to get the number back to 20,000. The way it works is it's a give or take system. If I know that I have 20,000 points in each category, if I give to one, I got to take from another, right? So it might mean I have to give a little bit more to a certain subcategory. So let's consider another example, right? A couple of months ago, there was some community members that said, hey, I don't think you're giving the water parks enough love in, in the DCI. And, and so I decided to, to split out the water attraction rides uh, from Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon so that they would stand outside the regular attractions bucket. Doing that, the attractions were pulled from the standard A1 through A7 grouping, and we created new attraction subcategories. This required another balancing act to get back to 20,000. It helps me make sure that I don't have artificial bloat on subcategories. So if I had one category that was 48,000 points and the rest of them were 20,000, it's kind of tough to visualize to see what's really driving the DCI, right? What's missing? So if I keep everything at 20,000 points, it keeps me honest. So talk, talk to me about the adjustments, Matt. You know, can you elaborate with, with the bonuses and the penalties? Okay, so this is where it gets a little dicey, right? So not everything about your Disney World experience can come from line items from March 2020, right? This is why I created bonuses and penalties to deal with such things. Let's kind of talk about penalties first. So several months ago, 
major pre-shows for attractions were offline due to social distancing. The popular Mickey's and Minnie's Runaway Railway pre-show was offline. That's a big part of the show, right? That's a big part of the attraction. We need to take account for that in the DCI. We can't let that go. And another one, we had restaurants that didn't have buffets, right? They were back, but they weren't really the whole thing. You know, we had very modified character meals. I mean, in the beginning, I think there was just a couple restaurants that had character meals and they would kind of just walk around and that's what they do now. They walk around, you still can't get, you know, close to them. You know, you can't get a photo hugging them and things like that, right? So these are still modified character meals. So it's not the Disney experience from 2020. Um, what about the mass mandates and the plexiglass on rides? I mean, it's you know, pretty impactful to, to have a big piece of plexiglass when you're on, you know, frozen ever after and you can't see what's going on in front of you or you're seeing smears, right? That, that definitely devalues the attraction experience. So we needed to have a penalty for those. And in terms of determining values to those, you know, it's a little bit more challenging and here's how I kind of dealt with it, right? So I felt like the plexiglass sacrificed one e-ticket attraction because we had to deal with plexiglass everywhere. So, you know, and mask wearing mandates, of course, you know, that's a penalty. Let's touch on bonuses. These are generally net new experiences that we didn't have in March, 2020. So let's think of Boobash, right? Boobash was an after hours event that only had a few entertainment options that the traditional party had. So I made it worth as much as the old after hours party and a slight bonus on top of it because it was hollow. It was a Halloween theme, and that's all I could really do with it. And how about the cavalcades, right? The Festival of Fantasy hasn't run since March of 2020, right? So the cavalcades have replaced that, and the cavalcades originally re um, replaced it in all the parks. And then, of course, they scaled back and removed the one at Epcot. But ironically, they're actually um, going to have a new one starting early next year, which is pretty cool. And they're bringing back festival, and we'll talk more about that. So the cavalcades, I didn't want to just rip Disney apart completely for losing Festival of Fantasy, their daytime parade, because they had these cavalcades. So the cavalcades did count towards something. It was it became a bonus. They were a net new item. And then many of the 50th offerings, like Beacons of Magic and the monorail lighting, and and eat like the statues, right? Even other things that weren't tied specifically to the 50th like Space 220 or Remy, they're considered bonuses as well. It was, it, they are a net new attraction or experience. So that's kind of how bonuses and penalties work. So I know that you were able to be um, a guest and speak about the DCI on some pretty awesome shows. So how did you come about getting on to uh, Len Testa's show and like the Disney dish with Jim Hill? What was all that about and, and what was that like for you? Yeah, it was pretty wild. I um I emailed Lynn and, and told him, you know, hey, look, I'm working on this project. Um and I and I sent it to him and I said, you know, it's the Disney Comeback Index and you know, I told him about the purpose of it and um he was really interested in it and he remarked he's you know, he, he kind of made it sound like we were separated at birth. He's a big numbers cruncher guy and and you know, he immediately wanted to get me on the show to do a segment. Um, and, and we met up like the next week or so, and I got on and, and introduced myself to kind of the Disney community. And, and then of course I got on to DVC pod with, with Jason and Phil and, 
Um, I believe I was on there before with them with the before and after game, but you know, I, I got on to, to really introduce DCI and, you know, those guys have been, you know, champions for me. They've been really campaigning for it and they talk about it in every episode. And I just can't be thankful enough for those guys. And they all, they also, they also help build this podcast and, you know, they're hosting the server for where we're talking about each episode. They're so supportive. Absolutely. But back to Lynn's show, like the one thing about Lynn, which was really interesting is, you know, the way that he scripted out a podcast that kind of inspired me to, to start a podcast and to develop a script. I mean, I know we're kind of, we're kind of going off a script right now. Um, and, you know, that was inspired heavily by Lynn. I, I don't have his funny puns in there. Um, he has some funny quips that, that make me laugh in every episode. And unfortunately I don't have those bits, but, um, you know, Len's show is a must listen every week. And, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his and, uh, and Jim. So, you know, it was an honor to be on his show and, um, you know, he's given me some shout outs for the DCI and, um, it was a really good experience. I'm sure we'll throw in a bathroom pun at some point in this episode, Matt. So don't worry there. Um, <laughs> Man. I, I, this is a lot of work, the DCI. So talk to me about the, the edits and the corrections. So the Disney comeback index was never about being a finished product. It wasn't, okay, here's my line items from March to 20 and I'm done. Right? No, that's not how it goes. You know, thanks to the community, thanks to things that we uncover all the time that we were constantly adding line items. We have to, and when we add a line item, we have to rebalance. Matter of fact, we were talking about the new cavalcade that's coming in early of 2022 that was announced at D23. And somebody said, ah, maybe they'll, they won't bring back Move It, Shake It. So I looked up Move It, Shake It on the DCI and it wasn't there. I've been using Disney's temporarily uh, unavailable entertainment page for the longest time too. That's been really helpful and they do stay on top of that. But that experience is not listed on there. If you do a Google search for Move It, Shake It, you will find it at DisneyWorld.com, but it's not showing up as missing entertainment. There's going to be things that are missed. And when I add those items back into the DCI, which I will, because I want it to be right, I have to rebalance, you know, back to that 20,000 scale. So also sometimes I make a mistake and I might have something marked back and I find out that I it's not. I had the spas at one point marked that they were back and then those people on the on the Discord server said, no, spas aren't back yet. So I had to remove them. So the key for me is I want the Disney Comeback Index to be honest and open. You know, I keep a comeback tracker log for people to view the activity, the files available, and I want people to look at the number and trust it and know that it comes from, you know, it comes from a good perspective. I'm really trying to do what's right. All right, man. So what exactly is, is left? What is holding back the DCI from getting to 100%? We've been hovering around 75% since mid-October. And this, this episode is going to come out in, in December-ish, right? So let's just go through each category real quick, right? Let's just talk about them. What's missing, right? So the attractions. Obviously, Typhoon Lagoon attractions are missing. Um, you know, the last that I checked, it's been a few days, but um, there's some movement with Typhoon Lagoon. Um and there's some rumors that on, I think on December 26th, that Typhoon Lagoon is going to reopen um, because there's no hours for Blizzard Beach. 
I don't know if that's the case or not. And the fact that Disney hasn't announced it, maybe it's not going to happen. But um, when it does open, and even if Blizzard Beach closes for refurbishment, it won't matter. Both water parks will be considered back at that time. And all the attractions and the quick service um, locations at Typhoon Lagoon, assuming they reopen with the park, will will have their its back column checked. What else are we missing? We're missing the railroads. We talked about that at Magic Kingdom. The other one that comes to mind is Enchanted Tales with Belle. And I think that's going to be back when meet and greets are, are whole. So what about entertainment? And that's kind of been the big gap, right? That's been the big mess from the get-go, right? So it's only 50% back just from an entertainment perspective. But fortunately, helps on the way. So the indie show is coming out in a coming back in a couple weeks. I'm sure it will be modified. Because it's modified, there will be a little penalty just like there is with Beauty and the Beast and Festival of the Lion King. But that's still good. It's still going to come back, and it's a highly regarded theater show. So that's good. And then early next year, Festival of Fantasy is going to return, and Fantasmic is going to return in 2022 too. We don't have dates on on either one, but we kind of have a... Uh, you know, we have a little bit of a timeline here, right? So Nemo is being, the Finding Nemo, the musical is being renamed to the Big Blue and Beyond. That's coming out at some point in 2022. So that's going to be great. That's going to come back. So those are some of the things that are missing, but they are coming back. It's really going to help entertainment. There's also a lot, a lot of streetmosphere stuff that's missing, like Citizens of Main Street and Citizens of Hollywood. They're still not in play. And then the other thing, that's really missing is the meet and greets. Now we know that we have the sightings right now, which are a limited form of a meet and greet, right? Um, if you look back at some of my tweets, I've talked about the, the four or five components of what a meet and greet used to be. And sightings are, are, are a modified form of it. But here's the thing, sightings in a DCI need to have a queue. If there's no queue, and you're just seeing a character from a distance, that's not a sighting, right? So that's how I'm breaking it down, right? There was 40 meet and greets that I counted in March of 2020. Six are back as sightings right now. So I think more's coming. We think, you know, I, I would be surprised that the Adventurer's Outpost doesn't open up shortly in Animal Kingdom. That's a good one. Um, I think there'll be other, maybe they'll add Mickey back in Hollywood Studios. I know Minnie's, Minnie's back. Um, I think Elsa and Anna are going to be back soon, permanently at Epcot, at Royal Summer House. So I think we're going to be moving forward. And I think, you know, if you put a, put a gun to my head, I think that in the springtime or the summer, um, I think meet and greets will be back in its glory, hopefully. So that's entertainment, dining. Where are holes with dining? Well, there's still a lot of table service restaurants, right? Victorian Alberts, that's down, right? Flying Fish, Gico, and then all the the character dining spots that haven't reopened, like 1900 Park. Um, how about um, Roy, how about Acker Shoes? Right, that's down. So this is why the dining plan also, you know, is also lagging behind because you still have all these restaurants that aren't open. There's more too, and maybe we'll have, you know, maybe the next episode of of um, 
happily everything Disney, we can talk about one of these things and really dive in. I've done articles before on dining. and It would be cool to kind of refresh that. So maybe that would be something we could do. How about the resorts? So nearly all the resorts, fortunately, open except for All-Star Sports. Um, and All-Star Sports was supposed to open, but they pushed it back. There's still some club level, um, club level inventory that's still coming slowly online, right? It's not back completely. So we're still having club level at it. And then also, let's not forget that in the resorts, there's the, the amenities, right? There's the pools, there's the campfires, there's the sing-alongs, there's the movie under the stars, right? All those things, right? A lot of those things are back and that's great. You know, the playgrounds and the weight rooms, the spas aren't back yet. That's an amenity, right? But also within the resorts are bubble perks. And the bubble perks are interesting. So think about like what's going to be coming up with the Magical Express. At the end of December, Magical Express goes away. And I'm still trying to figure out which direction I'm going to go in. Was that a pandemic cut? Well, it came back, right? And then they're taking it away. So where's my ruling on that? And to be honest with you, I don't know. I would love to hear your opinion. If when we remove Magical Express, I'm sorry, when Magical Express terminates on January 1st, 2022, how do we treat it in the DCI? I lean more towards removing it as it's back, um, but it's been back and it's, it kind of follows that, that Everest refurbishment philosophy, right? So it's, it's a little dicey. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. And then the paid events. So this is a sore spot. You know, remember the Disney early morning magic events at Magic Kingdom? And how about the other after hours events, right? The original ones at Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom. How about the villains after hours? Which I think will be back next year if I had to make a guess. You know, how about the tours? Like behind the scenes. Wild Africa Trek, right? And how about the rest of the missing dessert parties? Do you remember the frozen dessert parties? Do you, do you remember the Fantasmic ones? Obviously, the Fantasmic's not going to happen right now. But there's a lot of paid events that, that have not returned. And then Disney Springs. Disney Springs has been in a great spot the whole time, especially because it's restaurants. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are, you know, not owned by Disney, right? And, uh, you know, for the most part, Disney Springs is, is doing pretty well. Um, I mean, nothing is going to bring back the NBA experience or the void, right? It's not super important to the, to the health of Disney World. Those are the things that are missing, right? But let's also not forget that when new offerings actually open at Walt Disney World, like Space 220 did, like Remy's did, like when Guardians will, like Tron, right? These will also impact the Disney Comeback Index in a positive way. So if it's theoretically possible to get over 100% with bonuses, and especially in the attractions, that's how I see it. I see the attractions being over 100%. I mean, the only one that's not coming back is, you know, Primeval World, right? Speaking of items that won't return, there is a little caveat. 
One caveat I'd like to briefly touch on is what happens when an experience is replaced from pre-pandemic Disney World. We call these swaps successors. Consider Happily Ever After and Epcot Forever has been replaced. These line items were swapped out with their respective replacement shows. If there is an extreme difference in value, I will add a bonus or penalty for the difference. An example of a small bonus bump would be Harmonious replacing Epcot Forever. Epcot Forever was always a temporary show and a bridge between Illuminations and Harmonious. An example of a small penalty, Boardwalk Ice Cream replacing Ample Hills, which was always considered a fan favorite. And, you know, certainly this could be fluid for certain things. After once attributing a bonus to the new Disney Very Mary's After Hours event, we started learning more about some entertainment that was trickling into the experience. So eventually, we made it a successor to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Thinking back, Boobash didn't quite have enough entertainment in their 2021 version, but I'm guessing that their 2022 version will be different, so we'll probably have to change things up there again. But in the DCI, right now, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party is still zeroed out as a line item. Boobash is added as a bonus to offset that a little bit. So, Matt, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know six months uh, ago we were around that like a little over 50% mark. Now we're above that 75% mark. How can we follow along You know, to see the updates? Uh, where can we find the, the DCI? Definitely on our Discord server. That's the number one place because, you know, that's kind of where I go in there and I keep myself honest with everybody. And the spreadsheet does have different logs that you can look at, add things when things return. And when I do adjustments, they're all accounted for. So that's the first place to look. I also, um, I'm pretty active on social media, especially when something significant happens. So you can definitely look for me on Twitter to add little things um, and to give updates. All right, so I think we covered the DCI. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that needs to be called out. Um, I do want to touch on two things that aren't covered in DCI. Number one is shopping, right? Shopping in the retail stores. And, you know, this is probably going to upset some people, but I always felt like the merchandise that's available would make itself available, right? The other thing that's not covered is things like refurbishments or temporary closures. When Everest closes in January, I'm not going to remove it from being its back. It wasn't lost from the pandemic, right? And then not brought back. The railroads, we didn't have the railroads in, in March of 2020 in Magic Kingdom, but I still penalize um, the DCI for not having the railroads. Well, why? They're under refurbishment. I feel like if the pandemic didn't happen, Tron would have been done, probably Guardians would have been done all by the 50th anniversary, and, and I felt like they were delayed because of the pandemic. So therefore, I do leave them off the DCI. And when they come back, whenever they do, they get re-added as it's back. So there's refurbishments, and then there's refurbishment delays from the pandemic. So that's kind of the separation there. You know, it's, it's definitely a labor of love overall, and I love the project. Um, I don't mind updating it at all. Um, not bored of it, not sick of it. 
and I, I love rolling with it and I can't wait to see it, it get to a hundred percent. And, you know, I hope that there's some people that has looked at the DCI, you know, this is what I'm doing. You know, when I go, you know, I went in September and I marked, you know, what the DCI was, um, just for my own sanity, you know, and it's probably kind of corny, but I thought, you know, Hey, you know, I went to DCI, what percentage was it? And then, you know, letting you guys know I'm going in, going in December, I'm going in a few weeks and I'm going to record where the DCI is. Um, and, and I can't wait to experience that. And, and, you know, just knowing that it went up a, a, a certain percentage chunk. So it's exciting time to be a Disney fan. And if you like a comeback story, this is the best one. So um, that's, that's how I feel about the DCI. Wait, did you say you were going in December? I am. I'm going in December. Funny how he just sneaks that in without even even dropping a hint about it, huh, Mike? I know. Um, we had some flight credits that, that we needed to use up that were going to expire in June. And I didn't think we were going to get to Disney before then. Um, and, you know, wanted to take advantage of using Magical Express one more time. I mean, it's not a massive savings, but it's a couple hundred dollars of savings when you're talking about a family of four. Um, and, you know, it felt like it was the right thing. And I pitched it and and uh, really glad the wife went along with it. And, you know, we're really looking forward to, to seeing Enchantment live and seeing Harmonious. Uh, we're also going to do a Very Merriest After Hours party. We're going to be able to tell the tale that we did Boo Bash and the, you know, Very Merriest party in the same year, which I think is going to be pretty cool, especially when my kids look back. Um, so we, and I have some other surprises for the family. Uh, I have to make sure my kids don't listen to this episode because we are planning to tell them basically at the last minute. Um, so they don't know, but so yeah, we're really excited about it and we'll have my trip report when we do that. And, you know, I'll, I'll want you guys to do mulligans and tell me what I did wrong. Tell me what I did right. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Well, hopefully you don't have to dry any shorts in any bathrooms for this trip <laughs> like Mike did. Right. Yeah. And if you need a 4am airport, airport sh- chauffeur, you know, <laughs> maybe more than a, Boardwalk Brownie as payment, I'm thinking. So, you know, just something to keep in mind, food for thought. So, in closing, the DCI means a lot to me. I felt like it was my ticket to, you know, really connecting with with the Disney fans that are passionate just like me. We're trying to figure out a value together on where our beloved Walt Disney World is. And It started out where I was posting the numbers and I was updating it monthly and then I was updating it bi-weekly. And then I thought to myself, this thing needs to be in real time. It's not that extra, it's not that much extra work for me to just mark something as back the night of and just roll with it. So we've been, I think since June, we've been rolling with a real time DCI. And, you know, it's something that it's definitely my passion and I love to do it. And I get excited about the, I, I get excited about adding things. I'll never forget on July 1st when I marked the two fireworks shows were back and I put it on Twitter. I was so excited to do it. Um, and, you know, when we crossed the 70% or we crossed the 75%, I was excited. And I feel like we're going to hit 80%, um, especially, you know, with some of the entertainment lined up, we're going to get there and we're going to take another step together and it's going to be exciting to talk about. You know, I will say that, you know, the DVC pod does a really good job weekly 
they go over, you know, the the latest and greatest. You know, this this podcast meets on a you know biweekly basis. So if you're looking for DCI updates, you know, we'll certainly go over it and we'll hopefully have some more segments about DCI going forward. But I don't want our podcast to just be about the DCI. You know, I, I'm hoping that the DCI kind of springs interest into this podcast, but it shouldn't be the foundation for it. And, you know, the foundation is Christina and Mike and, and my passion for Disney World. So anyway, I, I hope you guys like the, the intro about the DCI, um, you know, where we'll kind of check in here and there. Okay, so now it's time for our, our podcast special, our scenario. And... We are recording this just a couple of days before Thanksgiving and, you know, not to be cliche, I feel like there's a lot of things to be thankful for. Um, and, you know, it is the season for Thanksgiving, right? So, um, you know, and I really want to think about Thanksgiving from a Disney perspective, right? So, you know, and that is like, let's talk about some of our favorite things um, from Disney World, right? Some of the little things. So for instance, let's talk about you know, what's your favorite snack? What's your favorite beverage? And like, what's your favorite chill spot? You know, and then from those three things, I want you to make a hard decision on which one you're most thankful for if you had to pick one of the three. So, Christina, I'm going to let you roll with the first one and put you under the gun. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to – I have no choice but to keep it simple for this because – Snacks, I, I, I could name a, a list forever. Our family's big foodies when we go to Disney. So we're always looking to try something new. So I'm, I'm going to keep it simple and say Mickey ice cream is our favorite. It's a classic. It's always something that the kids want. And when we're home, my favorite part is that you can buy them at the grocery store and kind of have like a little piece of your happy place. So favorite beverage, let's see. Has to be my Royal Blue flush, Slushy, which happens to be an adult beverage, but <laughs> that is in uh, me and my husband's favorite place, Morocco. It's at the Moroccan Juice Bar in Epcot, and we just, we love the whole atmosphere there. So just having one of those slushies on a hot day is, it's just a really good treat. For my favorite chill spot, it, this is a super easy one. Um, Port Orleans Riverside is our favorite. We have not stayed there a bunch of times, but it's, we felt more at home than anywhere else. So when we're there and we're taking it all in, we love sitting at the rocking chairs that are facing Sasagula Riverboat. And we just do people watching and my girls just sit there and rock in the rocking chairs. And it's just, it's just so peaceful. And talk about a moment of being thankful when you're, you know, you're there with your family and you can appreciate all of that. You just can't be there when it rains. No, I hear it's pretty different when it rains there. Or if it's on the back end of your split stay, you know, that's, and you're going from Yacht Club, you know, it's. Yeah, perhaps staying at Yacht Club and then going to Port Orleans Riverside is a little bit of a downer, but. We're teasing you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely get what Christina's saying. Um, you know, you know, if it wasn't for the weather and sitting in those rocking chairs, kind of people watching, just kind of relaxing, waiting for that magical express to come, you know, that that would have been a nice, chill, relaxing um, spot. And, and I, I definitely see why that's her favorite. Um, you know, for us, it was sitting in the lobby because the uh, we couldn't experience that at, at that time. <laughs> but um, 
Overall, I definitely, uh, that, 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 those are great selections there, Christina. I agree. And Why, thank you. If I can go into mine, so there, there, like Christina said, there's there's a lot of snacks in Disney. And, you know, we have our favorites, you know, your traditional Mickey pretzel, the Dole Whip. But I, I kind of wanted to go into one that we kind of consistently get every year. And that's a Magic Kingdom at Gaston's Tavern. It's that warm cinnamon roll. Have you guys ever had that? I cannot handle you right now because that was, I, I was torn between that. That was the only other thing that I would have said. You read my mind, Mike. So it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I am a huge fan of another podcast called Disney World is Awesome. And I highly recommend uh, people to check them out. There are three guys from Minnesota, three dads that just eat up Disney World. Um, and Landon, who's just an hilarious guy. Um, he, his, he loves that cinnamon roll. So it's something that's on my radar because Landon's talked about it so many times. So I haven't had it yet, but it's funny, Mike, that you're a big fan as well. Yeah, it's definitely, it's just light. It's fluffy. Um, you can always ask for extra icing. I always recommend that if, if you can, it's, uh, it's just, it's just sweet. It's rich, but, but not too rich where it will give you a stomach ache. It's just right. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And that's something that we consistently get every single trip when we go down. So I'm going to talk about my favorite beverage that I'm thankful for, which is the night blossom at Pongu Pongu. You know, it's that layer of apple and pear limeade um, topped with the passion fruit boba balls. You know, it's that just that unique tart and sweet mixture. It just hits a spot. It hits a spot on, on a really hot day. Yeah, that's one of my personal favorites, though. Yeah, that's one I haven't had. Yeah, it's some sherbet manis in there, and it's, it's delicious. I know we talked about it the last episode. It's a must. Definitely. And... The, the chill spot, so I'm going to go a little different. I'm not going to go to the hotel uh, chill spot. I'm, I'm going to, because most of our time is spent in the parks. And, you know, we're not really chill people. You know, we're always on the go, go, go. And I, I'm going to pick the, there's a bench in Liberty Square that's across from Hall of Presidents. And it's next to the Liberty Bell. And usually we get Sleepy Hollow quick service one time during our trip at Magic Kingdom. And then we'll migrate to that bench and we'll just kind of sit there and just relax and eat, take our time. And the last couple of times we, we went to Disney, we caught a cavalcade uh, both times on that bench. So it's kind of like our lucky bench, kind of relaxing, you know, people watching, enjoying our lunch, cavalcade comes by. You're still within walking distance to go right near the hub. To Cinderella's Castle, or you go left to go to you know Adventureland, and it's just a, a nice location. There's some shade with with some trees around there, and the kids always get a kick because there's usually like a Disney duck or a squirrel trying to get our food. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's that's one spot that we always like to uh, kind of just relax, just have a snack, or just kind of um, chill and catch a cavalcade. Is it just me or is people watching in Disney just people watching on a whole different level, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's something that um, I think I strive to do every time, but you're just trying to get so much in. It makes it hard, you know? And I think that's what the – you're right, though, Christina. Like, that's what you can do with these chill spots, especially if you're out of the parks. So – 
I love watching other people's joy too. Yeah, I you agree. know, just just looking around, seeing all the kids and their their faces and the big eyeballs. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to talk about my favorite snack. So, you know, the Boardwalk Bakery has unbelievable desserts. Um, they have like the cookies and brownies. The one, the infamous one I brought home from for Mike the one time. <laughs> They also have macaroons that that literally rival the best ones I've had from Philadelphia or the Jersey Shore. They are unbelievable. They're so good. Um, so I would definitely go with the macaroons there. They're just soft and delicious and um, absolutely a must try. All right. So in terms of my favorite beverage, um, you know, the Night Blossom was definitely under high consideration. Um, but you know, my whole family goes with the blue milk, um, and I am the green milk guy. So, um, and green's my favorite color, but I don't think that's why I like it more. They're both really good drinks, but I would go with the green milk as my favorite drink. Um, and then, you know, my favorite chill spot is honestly that whole stretch around Crescent Lake. Um, and specifically there's nothing like starting your day with, you know, one of your coffee mugs and, and you go, you know, especially at the boardwalk area and it's really the boardwalk grassy knoll area where you can just chill and walk around and, you know, grab a drink, relax, look across Crescent Lake and see Beach Club and Yacht Club. It's just a beautiful spot where you can just get pictures at all angles and just taking it all in. It's just beautiful. The grounds are beautiful. Um, and it's just, you know, the kids love that little grassy knoll area, just hopping around, you know, doing cartwheels and stuff. And those, there'll be moments uh, that, that I'll always treasure and remember. Staying at the uh, Yacht Club recently, uh, I, I know what you're saying uh, with Crescent Lake and walking distance between Epcot and, and um, Hollywood Studios and just seeing the kind of like a, the sunset and, and rise in that area. It's, 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 it's pretty breathtaking. From these lists, right? So if you had to pick one thing that you're most thankful for um, out of the three, which ones would they be? Uh, of our snack and beverage and spot? I'd say. Let's put it this way. Well, you got to pick one and the other two you can't experience again. Well, that's really rude. Um, <laughs> it's an impossible decision, but it, it's I'm going to have to go with the rocking chairs at our spot because there there will never be a Disney trip that I'm not extremely thankful for. Just every time I, I get the, you know, Disney is sometimes a once in a lifetime opportunity for families. And I never, ever take it for granted that I've been there more than a few times. So anytime I ever take my kids, whether it's one more time or 50 more times, I will always be thankful that I have them there and, and I'm there with my husband and we're just, being in the happiest place on earth together. Yeah, Matt, that, that's a that's a tough um, question here. Which one? Um, I, I guess I would probably lean my my favorite snack the the, the warm cinnamon roll. Uh, it's just the something about it. You know, the kids look forward to it um, after you know doing mind train, kind of running around rope drop. Then we get that like mid morning snack and. Uh, just going to the Gaston's and and just that cinnamon roll melting in your in your mouth—it's something that that the kids always uh, 
look forward to every trip. And like Christina said, you know, you're, you're creating memories here. And, and this is like a, our tradi- one of our traditions is going to, to Gaston's Tavern to, to get this. And not to mention, it's right next to a bathroom. So as soon as they're off, oh, you know, they're done mine train, they got to go go to the bathroom. So it's right there. So Major perk about that. We also love the fact that that bathroom's yeah. there. <laughs> You know, I can't believe you're willing to throw away the Night Blossom drink. I mean, I can understand the bench at Liberty Square, but I'm a little disappointed that, you know, you would have the cinnamon roll over the Night Blossom. I question your devotion to it. Yeah, well, you gave me a yeah. He's only it, it was a tough choice. I mean, it was between the two. That's that's what I was struggling on, but Mike, he's only saying that because he needs to have his cinnamon roll. He needs the full experience of it. To make that judgment. Exactly. And, you know, my kids, you know, help weight the decision too, because, you know, they love the cinnamon roll more than probably the night blossom. So. <laughs> All right. Well, if it's me, um, I'm sacrificing the macaroon and the green milk. Um, I'm going with the, the boardwalk grassy knoll area just because it's memorable. And it's not about any substance. It's just about being there. You know, it's just about taking in the sight lines and, and, and living through um, an awesome spot, an awesome vacation spot. So I would go with the boardwalk racing all area. Awesome. Yeah, awesome choice. All right. It's time to move on to our hot take. So um, there was a D23 Expo um, over the weekend. We got some information about things that were returning. It was it was a little bit of an odd conference, to say the least. Um, it seemed like Josh Tomorrow was really hyping things that were coming, but he really went back and almost did a tribute to the Disney Comeback Index, it felt like. So I'll take it. Um, you know, churros are back, and you know, Festival of the Lion King's back. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Beignets, <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly, right? Um, but at the same time, he did reveal some cool things at the end. He told us that, you know, Festival of Fantasy is coming back, which we did hear rumors that that was going to happen. Um, and I always kind of pictured that the, the Christmas parade was going to just kind of evolve with those cast members, which was great. And, of course, Fantasmic, he announced that that was great, too. He said it's coming back in, in Hollywood Studios. Uh, I think we were all kind of hoping for more, but we'll take those things. Uh, but coming the next day, when news was going to be a little bit more quieter, They talked about Epcot. The construction projects was going to wrap up in 2023. It's kind of odd um, because, you know, in, I guess it was 2019, there was another conference. It might have been D23. And they revealed what Epcot was supposed to be, right? Um, And it was mostly gauged around the anniversary. It was, you know, Remy's. It was Gardens of the Galaxy was going to be open. The Journey of Water, inspired by Moana. There was going to be the Streamers Point statue, the Play Pavilion, the Festival Pavilion. The Spaceship Earth was going to have a refurb. There was a Mary Poppins attraction at one point. And then, of course, they had the Epcot Experience around at that time that really highlighted, you know, things like Harmonious and other things that were to come. They also kind of put little teasers in there, like they had some Coco-themed stuff. Uh, around the the Mexican uh, pavilion. So with construction supposed to be wrapped up in 2023, you know, here's here's the hot take. I think the Spaceship Earth refurb is officially tabled. 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Spaceship Earth will definitely follow a refurb at some point in the future. I think with Epcot, October 1st, 2022's 40th anniversary, as well as we also got, um, that was one nice thing. We did get Guardians is going to be a summer 2022 um, opening. I think with those things in play, I think that some things are going to be shelved. And I think Spaceship Earth is definitely getting the canceled treatment for now. I do think it will be refurbed eventually, but I think that will be far, far in the future. I also think they don't know what the heck they're doing with the play pavilion. You know, the play pavilion was supposed to be very interactive. Um, It had some meet and greets components in there. It had some interactive games. The one thing that really looked cool was it had some type of monorail walkthrough where you kind of walk through a simulated um, monorail, but it was all kind of designed around, you know, I kind of pictured it is almost like a Dave and Buster's, you know, area. Um, it was kind of themed around that perspective. That's how that's, that was my take on it. And I think that, you know, the state of where we're at, it, it's just so hard for Disney to determine what's going to come out of that. Whatever plans that they had, I think they honestly just put on ice, you know, completely. So it's not that I think it's not going to come out. And, and it's not that I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see the play pavilion. It's more just, it's not going to be done in 2023. I think the play pavilion, we passed that. Unfortunately, the festival pavilion, there's always been a lot of discussions about it, how it was kind of the festival area. You know, remember they had that coffee table set up where it was kind of three stories with with lush landscaping on top and designed for corporations to watch harmonious from a design spot. You know, that obviously there's been no information about that besides that six to eight months ago, Disney said, you know, we'll reveal more information about the festival area, you know, instead of the pavilion. And then, of course, the rest of the spine, which remains a mystery on what's going on there besides, you know, a quick service restaurant, you know, replacing the electric umbrella. Of course, they brought back Club Cool and the creation shop, replaced some other store. Um, So, you know, there's some movement there, but I think the rest of the spine just needs love and attention. And I think that will be done. I think there'll be open paths there and you'll be able to walk in the center of Epcot again and it's going to be glorious. But I think that a lot of their plans are going to be scaled back. So here's the hot take. I think that Spaceship Refurb, I'm sorry, I think the Spaceship Earth Refurb and I think the Play Pavilion is going to be on hold. Um, And I think it's going to be on hold until after they returned to Epcot. So I always kind of felt, and so did everybody else, that when they were done in, with Epcot, they were going to move back to Animal Kingdom. So, you know, after Pandora, they went crazy with Hollywood Studios, with Toy Story Land, and then Galaxy's Edge. And then it's all been about Epcot. And then, of course, you know, Tron. But I think going forward, I think they're going to turn their attention to Animal Kingdom before they come back. And we start seeing things pop up again from the Play Pavilion I don't mean that it's going to be not done completely. Like I don't, you know, they can do simultaneous work. Um, but I think that trying to get the play pavilion done by 2023 and, and the, the festival area and the spaceship earth, I think that those are on ice. So that's my hot take is that those things have been shelved and put on hold uh, as of now. What do you guys think? Yeah, so I think the I am agreement with you with Spaceship Earth refurb. Um, I don't think that's coming anytime soon, which is a shame. I was really looking forward to that refurb when that was announced uh, a few years back, 
but um, that that's definitely one that will I don't do not see happening anytime in the near future. I definitely think it needs a refurb recently going on it, but I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And the play pavilion, I don't see that ever happening. To be honest, I I, <laughs> I just no, I, I don't I don't see that happening. I think that's one thing that they're just gonna just nix completely. I mean, the thing is, is they, you know, it's a pavilion, it's unused, it's space, it's there. You know, I can't see them demoing that. Um, so I, I think it will be circulated again at some point. I just think like, okay, well, maybe maybe in three or four months when we're really on the other side of the pandemic, fingers crossed, they can resume whatever they were going to do. And can that be ready by 2023? I think so. But because they're so silent on it, I don't think it's a priority. I think the priority is finish Guardians and finish Tron, get the railroad up, get Journey of Water done, get Dreamers Point done, and you know whatever they're going to do for Animal Kingdom, um, I think is going to be the priority for these guys. Right. Yeah, and, and the quick service restaurant uh, connections cafe that that they have too. Yep, as well. Yep. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much in, in agreement with you with with Spaceship Earth and um, like like you said. That, that silence on the on the play pavilion area. That's um, I don't know. To me, I take it that they, they really don't know what they they want to do with that with that area. I, I definitely think that Animal Kingdom needs some uh, some love next. Um, I I know that they're probably heading in that direction, but sooner than later, there's not there's just nothing shiny and new there right now. We we you know, need a little, a little something. And, and yes, kite tails, we're not discrediting kite tails in any way, but they definitely, um, you know, we'll, we'll just need something big and bright to bring to animal kingdom that will get, get the excitement flowing for them again. You know, we, we do see a history of them going through giving each park some love and, and it is animal kingdom's turn. So definitely we'll, we'll turn a corner and I agree completely with you guys about spaceship earth. It, it can definitely use its own love, but I, I think that there's a, a list of priorities here and, and these things unfortunately are, are just not at the top of that list. Yeah. I think the refurbishment for spaceship earth was 18 months too. So it was going to be down for a long period of time. Um, you know, I, I just can't see it. I really can't. Um, I, I think it will be done eventually. Like I think it's naive to say they're never going to do anything for that. No, they're going to they're going to redo it at some point. They're going to add those scenes, but I don't think they're going to be taking it down anytime soon. Um, you know, this kind of brings me to something that I always thought about doing um, on the Discord server, and it's something that maybe we can make a, an episode around armchair imagineering, right? Like. Let's look at, and we're going to take, we need an episode. Maybe it's the next episode. I'm not sure. Um, but we need an episode where we dive into each park and we kind of go over what the park could use. You know, like what would be perfect at Magic Kingdom? You know, what does Animal Kingdom need um, to make it a whole park? You know, so a lot of people call Animal Kingdom a half-day park. Um, and, you know. Blasphemy. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think they're all worth full days. You know, I really do. But here's the thing. If you're going down for an eight-day trip, it might not be more than one day, you know? So how how does it get that right now the Hollywood Studios deserves probably two days, right? Because of what's because of everything that they've done in an eight-day stretch. How does Animal Kingdom start fighting for that, that second day, you know? 
So that's, that'd be a good conversation. So we'll have to bring that up in another episode, but something to kind of keep on our radar. We'll have to do that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny. I was actually thinking that um, prior to, to our episode, this episode, um, you know, something like along those lines. So good, good thinking there. All right. So we are just about to wrap up. One thing we wanted to talk about is um, I've had people that are new to the podcast and they have said, hey, hey, Matt, I'm listening to the podcast and I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea because I'm a beginner and I don't know what you mean by Genie Plus. I don't know what you mean by Lightning Lane. I don't even know what that means when people say Walt Disney World. Is that just where the castle is? Like, So I know that this podcast was um, created for people that are Disney nuts, right? But I also want to make sure we welcome everybody. So in the beginning of the year, we will have an episode where we just kind of get back to basics. Um, I hope you listen and we'll try to make it as entertaining as possible for you experts out there. But it's something that I feel like we need to do. We also, with the amount of content that we're putting into each episode, I think our cadence is still going to be every other week when the year starts. You know, maybe we'll change that at some point. And we, and we talked about having some bonus episodes, but I feel like this allows us to give you guys the best type of content. Um, so anyway, just wanted to throw those things out there. Um, and, and also remember after the episode launches on those Fridays, the Tuesday after the episode is posted, there will be an, an episode engagement section on our discord server. Again, that information was just posted from the previous episode and we're getting great interaction about the scenarios and the hot takes we talked about the mulligans which we're going to keep around people really like those mulligans um so we're going to keep doing those episode engagements and um anyway just wanted to uh just wanted to share that so uh christina why don't you uh why don't you bring this whole thing home for us well, guys, from me, Mike, and Matt, we thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Happily Everything Disney. Bye for All now. Right, thank you, guys. Thanks, guys.